Here at She's in the Game, we acknowledge that this episode is recorded in the lands of the Wongal people and pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging and extend that respect to any Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander people listening with us today. Hello and welcome to episode four of She's in the Game with our special guests, Sophie Luff and Kirsty Gordon. We hope you enjoyed episode three with our other special guest, Phoebe Litchfield. But here we are. We're here. We've uh, dragged the two English gals into the room. Obviously not by choice. Thanks for being here with us today, gals. But yeah, let's just let's let the listeners get to know our guests a little bit. I did a little bit of Googling. And so I've got a couple of little bios we've written up here. So both for you and us and the listeners. So um, Sophie Natasha Luff. <laughs> Very cute. The gal from Taunton playing for Somerset, Western Storm, and as well as being a part of the 100, having played for the Welsh Fire and the London Spirit. Make sure you just correct me if I get anything wrong here. <laughs> Started playing similar to Hen and I with uh, the younger brother in the backyard. And to quote Google here, (laughs) this is actually really nice. Uh, A tough, hardworking top order batsman. So Google just spitting facts here. (laughs) I've seen you work hard. Um, But one fact that I've come across that's that's really surprised me and I don't really know how to, I'm still processing it. It's um, the listing of right arm mediums. So I'm yet lies. to see those. And lies, exactly. It would have been handy with the amount of bloody bowlers we were down this season. So a uh, bit of a stitch up there. But, yeah, still, you know, there's still time to crack out the, the right on meds. An absolute competitor. Hen, but in here, tell us about the... the- we, yeah, yeah, we weren't going to let you get away uh, without bringing up the workout we did the other day. So in oh. terms of being absolute competitors, these two are also competitors after the workout in terms of competing to see who can vomit the most. <laughs> So the competitor statement (laughs) is well and truly correct and we'll we'll give you a chance to to come back at us after that later. Um, Gordo beat me in the run the the day after, so it doesn't translate to the field and I will well and truly say that is the case, but absolute competitor. Um, And also, Luffy Bakes. There's another string to the bow. Um, I actually had some of the cheesecake last night, Biscoff. Oh, <laughs> yes, actually, Lynn, it is a touchy subject from a heat as okay. well. Yeah, that's fair. I haven't received any. I heard that your um, specialty dish is Rocky Road, though, and that's slightly controversial because, ah, come on, anyone, can anyone work with Rocky Road? <laughs> no, <okay. laughs> um, but also, as well as having this passion for cooking, you're also a very passionate gal in the gym, which I've noticed, um, and you're currently studying strength and conditioning, is that right? Yep, doing yep, an online okay. course, yeah. She's on it. Um, in addition to just being an absolute beast in general, uh, you've also got some of the best calves going around. Second to me, of course. But, um, that is <laughs> what so the hell? Up. Third to me? <sighs> Maybe. No, no you're, up there. you're up there. You're up there. You're a cyclist gal. You just just get into it. But yeah, that's um, that's that's luffy for you. So I'm excited to hear what you're bringing to the table today. But there's a little bio and a little spiel that I popped together. And uh, would you like the chance to come back at us for any of that? Any incorrect statements? No fair comment about the rocky road, but <laughs> I don't feel like people catch on to that because they just eat my bait. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, if it's good, they don't really care. We're not complaining. How it was, how it was made. Um, but Still I do add a, add a few different, road. you know, ingredients into my rocky road as well. Okay. So just your okay. All right. Go on. <laughs> Elaborate a little bit here. Go on. Uh, I reckon add Rolos or any sort of like oh. caramel based chocolate just to add a different texture. Actually, that is a game changer, I have to say. Yeah, I'll yeah. take that. She's spitting facts once again, not just Google. Damn. All right. It is a great Kirstie idea. Kirsty Louise Gordon. 
Why is that so funny? Because <laughs> uh, you're just getting to know Louise. you a little bit more. Louise. Can you say that in your Scottish accent? accent? <laughs> Louise. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Not as satisfying. <laughs> <laughs> the Scottish lash. Is that how you say it? Scottish lass. Lass. Currently plays with Kent and has played with the Blaze and the Birmingham Phoenix in the hundreds. Yes, yeah, me too. Love yeah. to hear it. Bernsey taught me that. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out. Left arm orthodox bowler and occasional yielder of the willow, uh, mostly the outside edge, and has represented Scotland <laughs> from 2012 to 2017 and then did a bit of a switcheroo to England. Uh, I think there's a story behind that. It's actually a pretty incredible story, I must say. Um, but I think that's a pretty exciting part of your story. Cap number 46 against Bangladesh and played in the 2018 ICC T20 World Cup. Amazing. Big dog. And next year, a test debut <laughs> against England in the Ashes at Taunton, a pretty uh, successful ground for the Ashes, I, I would there. say. Wow. Really? Yeah, I watched that for a bit. <laughs> <laughs> Until no, Kirsty started bowling. Yeah. <laughs> no, as an Aussie fan, that's probably when you wanted to be around. <laughs> uh, your fun facts off the field goes well on the circuit. Uh, is well and truly known to have a good time as well as perform with both bat and ball the next day. I think we can tell that after um, a night out, we're well and truly in our best shape and form, as well as has a mixed relationship with the stump mic. So we're giving you another opportunity <laughs> to speak into the mic. Uh, yeah, hit us back for anything that is unwarranted there. No, it's, it's all a very fair comment. Um, my mum messaged me, good luck for every game I play in. Um, and on that message, it normally says, good luck. Remember, there's a stump mic. Please don't swear. <laughs> I love that. We do have a beep button today for do, yeah. specially. I need it for Luffy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Luffy's yeah, the danger. Potty, potty, potty mouth. Yeah. <laughs> but welcome our lovely lassies. And anything we've missed or added, you'll have a chance throughout this podcast to, to prove us wrong, pretty much. Yeah. But pretty much you're over here in Sydney spending time playing grade cricket. Most importantly, I think the most interesting part for us is learning about the setup that you guys have back in England. I know as soon as probably anyone meets you, we ask about what's your setup like. Is it similar to this and Just that? Just trying so, to yeah. <laughs> we've, um, we've welcomed you into our environment and absolutely loved having you here. And we thought this was a good opportunity to let our listeners know about the environment that's happening in England at the moment. So, Luff. Talk us through, first of all, your setup back home at the Western Storm, your training, your accesses to coaches, the professionalisation of the game that's coming in. Um, yeah, what are we looking like at the, the Western Storm? Paint us a picture. Yeah, well, it's a lovely part of the world, the West Country. Um, <laughs> so I don't know why more people don't want to play down with you us. You don't have the tag, like up the Knicks. No, Stormtroopers. Okay, Sometimes right, it's yeah, that yeah. one. Yeah, but yeah, it's everyone thinks I'm a Star Wars fan here because <laughs> I've got little Stormtroopers on everything, but I I've never watched Star Wars in my life. Neither have I, um, to be fair. But yeah, Stormtroopers maybe. Okay. Um, but yeah, I guess like we've been professional for a couple of years now and our environments probably look quite different um, so probably be able to tell sort of a different different story there um, so we're sort of an amalgamation of like the whole of the West Country and Wales so we're, geographically we're a massive region um, which actually coming over here sort of married up with your states like they're huge yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah there's a lot of travel for a lot of our girls um, but yeah we're split between uh, sort of three counties mainly Somerset Gloucester and Glamorgan um, so we sort of train out of all three venues sometimes which isn't actually ideal uh, we don't really have a set base at the minute um, which hopefully as the professionalization of the women's game uh, continues to grow forward that will change um, and we'll sort of centralize out of somewhere um, because yeah the more and more professionals that you have um, you need like a set set base and a set place of work so yeah the 
the amount of pros are, are growing as well. Um, so what did we start with? Was it five? Five initially? in each region, yeah. Yeah, so five. You don't know. So they're the amount of contracts available for the each region. Yeah, yeah. so full the time. full time. Okay. Uh, contracts available um, and then that sort of like increased each year um, and we should be up around 10 now most teams have 10 yeah yeah we've obviously been out of the country while some other girls in our regions have gained contracts um, and hopefully over the next couple of years that continues to grow so we've got a whole squad of full-time professionals wow so you mentioned obviously that the regions are pretty big what's the sort of average drive for most players so you're not sort of in the one area like we are over here in sydney i guess even though i spent about an hour in the car most I, days anyway but yeah i guess it depends where you live in the region um like if you're west wales then you know cardiff would probably still be a couple of hours and then bristol's further on from that and then taunton's further south but it's the same the other way so if you live in the the um, end of the earth in terms of Cornwall, um, yeah. which is a beautiful place. Um, but that, you know, Pasties, ta- ta- is that a Pasties place? Pasties, yep. yeah. Oh, Pasties. Yeah, yeah you, you, they love a yeah. Pasties. Yeah, yeah. Pasties. yeah. Um, <laughs> that would be, you know, Taunton would be two and a half, three hours for some of those girls. To spend um, driving to training. Do you guys ever, is it like each day they'd sort of make that commute or do you sort of come together, stay in hotels, spend like a couple of weeks training and then head back? It, it sort of varies, sort of like over the winter, the majority of the pros are probably um closer to to the bases at the minute um but obviously we've got a wider squad and those girls would, would have to travel for games and and that, that's where the, the region will accommodate in terms of sort of expenses and hotels as best we can but there's still a limited budget at the minute to sort of accommodate those word. things <laughs> hear it all too often um well how, how have you found being over here then in, in comparison to what's like back home you know your first impressions and, and how it sort of yeah i think the, the setup and the structure you guys have got here is is pretty awesome yeah i definitely noticed a big difference in i guess how accessible the facility is so um obviously you guys can come in here as much as you want it's new for you guys as well though isn't it cricket central so yeah. it's pretty cool gym physio recovery nets and when you get those 40 grass wickets outside that's gonna <laughs> yeah. Game be, changer. yeah completely next level so just having the access to that facility so my regional team is the blaze now but we've formerly been lightning and loughborough lightning so that's how people might have known us before um, and we've just moved to Trent Bridge um, so we're there which is awesome first class venue but we have to share it with uh, not men who are obviously full time and then kind of all the pathways and things so the indoor centre is not massive and the gym's not massive etc and there's a lot of I've not been there yet even still and Loughborough was the same when we trained at Loughborough there's a lot of different teams fighting over one venue turf. so yeah turf <laughs> and indoor school also- <laughs> yeah and indoor schools and gyms and things so you have to accommodate for that so you have some sessions in the evening you have some early sessions and whereas here the facility is so big that we could be training at the same time as the blues, the the pathway, and the boys' pathway or something. We, you could all technically be in together, and it and it wouldn't be an issue. So, those types of things are, I think, make a big difference. That our training times are a hundred percent consistent, and um, they're really like great times. It's your training through the day, which is what you want to be doing as a professional sports person. You want to be out at work in the day and and have your evenings um, to yourselves. Can you run us through, obviously have those now 10 professional contracts, 
there's 11 players in a team. There's obviously more players that make up a squad. Yeah, How do they go? What a controversial number. <laughs> yeah. Five was controversial. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. How yeah. do those players that are obviously not in that professional environment but expected to play as part as a professional go about? Is there, you, like you said, you're sharing facilities, so timings might be set in place, but they've got, still got to have work or school. How does that balance sort of work for the players? I think especially as leaders within your respective teams back home, is it a difficult situation to sort of balance? Yeah, I think I think we chatted about this a little bit before me too as well and that it, it is. Um, I think at the beginning when there was only five, I actually found it wasn't as bad because you were kind of seen as kind of the five. It was and the rest were um, the majority, whereas now it's kind of flipped and with 10 pros and we've we've got a squad of 15, I imagine most teams have somewhere around that. Um, the people without the contracts are now the minority um, and that balance is really difficult to manage because we're asking them to live up and live and breathe our standards that we set as a, as a team every day, but we are getting paid to, to do that, to be the professional athlete and they're not. Um, so that balance is difficult. And like you said, um, school and uni and work and things, we're really fortunate that um, being based around Loughborough in the past, that a lot of our girls go to university there. So naturally their schedules are more flexible and they're able to kind of keep up to date with their uni work but also be at the sessions but we've also got a, in the past a couple of girls that have worked full-time and it's just a nightmare for them it's it's so difficult and naturally then they are dropping behind because they're not getting the same volume of hours and time on task but they're the ones that are not contracted and that you know are really desperate to have more time on task and it's that vicious yeah they vicious just circle. Get stuck in that circle yeah. of yeah in terms of then balancing that coming over here to Australia to enjoy what would be your off-season slash pre-season. How do you think it's helped coming over here for this balance for the both of you, but then also being able to take some stuff back to your respective um, squads? I think it's been awesome for me. I'm obviously, um, I'm not at the the end of my career by by any stretch, hopefully, but I'm obviously um, at sort of like the the older end. Um, So I'm 29 and um, played a lot of cricket, I guess. Um, So for me, I've never done anything like this before I'm very much a home girl um you know in the country back home um you know love spending time with family and friends so it was a big big thing for me to come over here um but probably just felt like it was the right time in my career to try something different take myself out of my comfort zone and sort of experience a new challenge and um I guess for the both of us we've been professionals in our regions for a couple of years now and um as much as it's it's, it's good fun spending time in the nets in the winter hitting lots of balls bowling lots of balls <laughs> got my, uh, a bit of a <laughs> did you notice how I said year? bowling bowling lots of balls in my <laughs> yeah, medium yeah, pace yeah, yeah. Um, which is which has actually gone out the window um this winter you came over um, here and you're like <laughs> um, fly but, under the radar here we go but yeah it's obviously been great for me to experience um like the cricket out here um and just yeah sort of get away from the environment back home as well um meet new people and I guess see what you guys get up to over here it's been it's been pretty cool to see yeah, I completely agree. It's been it's been awesome, and just I've always enjoyed working with different coaches and different people. Because um, I think like we're really lucky at home. We got awesome coaches um, that I got on really well with. But you can get used to the same opinions constantly, or the same environment, the same players you're you're training with as well. So to come to a new environment and have different input from coaches, but also different input from players, and see how you guys go about your business as as players, and that's one thing. At home, we're still trying to find that professionalism as as a, as a group because it is so new. I'm 25 and I've been professional the longest in my team. 
you wouldn't find that in a men's team, you know, there'd be guys who'd been professional for, since they were 18, 19, and they're now in the mid-30s. Um, and I'm still learning what it is like to be fully professional. Um, so to come here and see how you guys go about it, who've just been that professional for a little bit longer. You know, Maitland, you're in every morning doing your rehab at like 7.30. Grand. And, and yeah. Just trying to beat the traffic, to be honest. That's why I come in early. <laughs> but you're, you're so committed to doing that prehab, rehab, whatever it is, every single morning so that when everyone else kind of comes in around and starts with the gym, they're running cricket whatever like you've already been in for an hour you've done what you need um and bits like that that are just for you guys it's probably just your bread and butter now but for us it's actually um we're still learning that process so I think that's something that I can definitely take back and try and lead on at home as well um and try and bring the group group with me a little bit well yeah I guess it's really hard when you know as as you mentioned most of the girls are studying or, or working so they can't just come in and, and do sort of sessions whenever they want. There's always time in the day or just have to find <laughs> it. But uh, what about, what do you think English cricket sort of go in the next five years? Obviously, there's now 10 contracts instead of five contracts. So it's obviously trending towards becoming more professional. But yeah, what do you reckon the next five years looks like? Um, I definitely think we'll have a full squad 15, 16 contracts um, in each region, uh, which will be awesome because everyone will be in the same boat training full time. Yeah, I think it's really exciting. I, you can't even comment where it's going to go because you wouldn't have thought five years ago we'd be seeing some girls that we've played with go for half a million Aussie dollars yeah. in the WPL auction, yeah. which I know you guys have spoken about. Yeah. But, you know, it's just moving so quickly now and the hundreds obviously um, still very early days for us. But I think that's just going to grow and grow and grow. And, um, you know, obviously there's been talk in the past of the ECB selling that off to private investors and things and if it if that does it could explode into a whole new ball game um competing with the uh IPL yeah and and it could and and part of me is like oh god that could be the worst thing ever but also if the ECB get all that money and they pump it back into grassroots and into the regional structure which is what they need to do (laughs) to really grow the game from the bottom that would be awesome and all of a sudden we're getting paid a bit more to for our 12 months of the year, but also our academies and our junior teams and all the clubs and, and things below that are just going straight up. Yeah, it just creates more depth and, yeah. and more players that, that are competing in a higher quality version of cricket. I think that's the thing for me. Like, it's, you know, what you see with the 100 and everything that that brings. And obviously we're really excited because we're like, part of that at the minute um, and like we're on that journey with cricket but think about where it could be in five years time for the girl who is currently 12 who's just got into a representative county team and then working her way up through that structure because that structure is just going to get better and better as well um, so we've got academies that sit below our our, our regional teams um, but you know hopefully in the next few years, there'll be, you know, a second 11 string to that as well. So you're bridging that gap between academy and that first team and all of those things will build to bigger and better things as well. I think that's still something we're developing here as well. I think like our Premier Cricket, which you two are both currently playing in, that's where we're bridging the gap at the moment. And then the only way that increases is by you going back and playing in it or these sort of scenarios that we keep finding now, the more they get sort of that interaction, whether whether it's with those professional teams or when we get the Australian players or the England players back, it just shows a massive boost in terms of what they're seeing. I say it all the time, everyone says it, you can't be what you can't see, but I think even more within your own environments, as soon as you do one training session with Alyssa Healy or whatever it might be, like they change their mindset massively and you can see it whenever they come back. One thing 
you could bring back from learning in Australia to each of your programs? Oh, learning. I was just going to say, I'll just pick up Cricket Central and yeah. <laughs> get it on the plane Take the coffee shop as yeah. well. Yeah, yeah, that would be good. Um, I think for me, um, the, the biggest thing that I've learned is sort of, um, I guess, like stripping my game back to basics a little oh, bit um, because <laughs> um, so that's what you've been doing in your spare time yeah you? yeah that's what I've yeah it's that like the Sorry, next I'm bit the fun you, stuff yeah. in Australia yeah. Um, yeah stripping it back to basics I've obviously come out here and I'm playing against players that you know I have no idea what they they're coming on to bowl at me um, especially at, at grade level um, which has been sort of refreshing <laughs> um, in a way um, just to sort of like I've obviously built up a load of tools um, over my cricket career and as a professional over the last couple of years I worked really hard on develop, developing my game and you know adding new options and all of that sort of stuff with the bat and then over here I've sort of had to adapt in that moment to what's being bowled at me and you know what my best tool is at that moment in time um, which I don't know if I've learned <laughs> learned that well against uh, the, the slower spin over here that <laughs> likes to be bowled in grey cricket uh, it's been pretty frustrating at times um, They're the ones that get you though because your eyes just light up and you just look this yeah, guy. if you're telling me, yeah, I could probably, um, yeah, it's been a similar dismissal first, over the. Uh, uh, so kryptonite. Yeah, it's been a similar dismissal over the last few weeks. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, that that's the thing for me is sort of like stripping it back and um, just sort of playing the ball in that moment um, and using the tools that I have got in my locker. I think for me, it's um, probably something around like accountability. I've always enjoyed having like a freedom to. Like my SNC coach home always winds me up and says, Kirsty, you're a free spirit. You just do what you want. And I'm like, yeah, a little bit. But I've enjoyed having that program that they've given me, but then like adapting it to what I see fit in the week. Oh, I've got three games this week. Okay, so maybe I'll skip, skip this day of gym or I'll adapt it and do power because then I've got my game tomorrow. And just being real on it with my um, planning my week, my fitness, what am I going to work on this week? Um and obviously, I've got like my IDP, my individual development plan. I don't know if you guys call it the same thing, but got IPP. that. IPP. IPP. Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, IPP. <laughs> <laughs> they all call it different things on like every like team I've played yeah. in. But yeah, I've got my plan. I've got <laughs> my kind of fitness goals and things. So there's always that kind of end goal. But for me, how I've got there is probably completely different because I'm used to being at home. You rock up to training at eight. Right, we're doing this running session today. We're doing this gym session today we're doing this in the nets today and whereas here you've I've kind of had to take that responsibility on myself because I've not got somebody on my shoulder the whole time going have you done this have you done that are you doing this are you doing that so I've really enjoyed that but also as we all know at times motivation's a bit low um that's why Luffy's been awesome as well obviously because <laughs> it's nice to have a gym buddy on those days that you um kind of lacking that motivation but no, I've really enjoyed coming in here and Gav says, you know, what you're working on today and, um, yeah, found some really, really great things, tools that I can take away um, anywhere and do myself now. I don't need to have a coach there all the time. Um, you can keep working on these things on your own. That's a massive win. I think, like, the best environments are player-led and you going back to your environment back at the Blaze, having understood how to be player-led without coaches over here, you're only going to teach half your squad most of your squad how to do that as well so yeah that's really interesting she's nailing it but uh let's talk let's talk 100 now so obviously the 100's a, a new competition but how much of an impact has it already had on the development of of the depth and um english cricket 
Yeah, loads. I think, um, well, there's probably two main things that spring into my mind. One is that it's it's giving those players a platform. So obviously there's like buzz names that we all know, Alice Capsey, Lauren Bell, these girls that have come on to the 100. They've kind of been there, thereabouts, come into the 100, done awesome, and now they're reaping their awards, playing for England at World Cup. Um, and then there's the probably like tier of player below them that is a emerging uh, regional player that has had the opportunity to be in the squad and is living and breathing those moments under pressure so that if one day they get that call up well you look at the under 19 girls at the World Cup a lot of them have played in the 100 and they've played in front of 10 15,000 people they've played in front of that pressure of bowling at some of the best players in the world so they come to the under 19 World Cup as literally 17, 18 year olds and they're competent in dealing with that pressure because they've they've done it already so that's awesome and even for, for me who's you know been around a little bit that pressure is still something you can't like replicate unless you're in that moment um so yeah that's been awesome for that and then obviously for the young girl in the audience who's coming to watch her heroes and it's a full stadium the atmosphere is amazing um she gets you know dj's playing the dj's playing (laughs) she gets an autograph at the end of the day you know the girls are awesome at going around and doing that so yeah um that is what you hope that those girls keep coming back and they sign up to the local club and they get down there and they start playing and um yeah so i think it's been it's been a massive hit a lot better than i could have imagined it we were all kind of a bit like sceptical of it when it was announced, weren't we? And it's just been, yeah, I had to eat, eat my words. I have massive FOMO of uh, of the hundred. It just looks sick. The way they go about it, even the even the graphics, the uniforms, everything's just really interesting. And yeah, and it's just. Yeah, I want to play in the 100. That's my goal. I want to play in the 100. I have so many friends that um, like, I went to uni with and school with that were, you know, like, oh, have you got cricket? And, yeah, it's on TV. Like, do you want to watch? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they never really followed it, and that was fine. And then getting messages of these people going, oh, my goodness, I can't believe <laughs> that um, Welsh Fire got beaten by London Spirit. Like, what on earth is going <laughs> on? And coming I'm out like, of the woodworks all these opinions. <laughs> but, yeah, so they, you know, they were tuning in, and that's exactly what the aim of the 100 was that it set out to do was to attract people to cricket that had never really taken a fancy to it and and that's awesome yeah I really randomly I went to a corporate event the other night and bumped into this girl who was from England and um, she's from Birmingham and said that she went to a game with her mom and she'd never watched cricket in her life and she said it was just the best thing ever it was just really fun the DJ was playing it was just a really great event so I think it's super exciting and um, I think that's just going to bring about so much um, depth for, for cricket going forward yeah, I guess the format has worked as well. I think we were probably a bit sceptical over the format. Obviously, you know, and I, I guess there's still a lot of pushback from the traditionalists that follow county cricket week in, week out back home about the 100. Um, and I think they they may have a valid argument in terms of the men's game and, you know, is it necessary for them? But where it's taken the women's game has surpassed, well, my expectations. Certainly it's been yep. um, a bit of a roller coaster and crazy like I'd never imagined I'd be a professional cricketer let alone playing in front of 15,000 people um yeah it's pretty pretty remarkable really when the uh, when the competition's on, does everyone sort of gravitate to the hubs as to where where the teams are from and it, and it almost becomes like full-time professional for the few weeks that the hundreds on yeah so everyone's sort of with their teams for a, a set amount of time which probably felt a little bit um 
weird in the first year, um, which was 2021, where COVID was Ugh, still a bit of a thing. C word. Um, but that actually... <laughs> the other one. <laughs> that actually was um, like a blessing in disguise because originally the men's and women's teams were meant to be playing out at different grounds, um, whereas covid was a factor and it meant that we ended up playing double headers which when you look at the competition now you'd be like well why was that not so technically the, by the last time the hundred yeah. is as good as it is we love covid right <laughs> <laughs> it's the only good thing it's done it's a great talking point because we've actually had this conversation so many times in the wbbl that we want to go back to playing with the men. So you think about, I think it was the first three years we played before the men, after the men, exactly like you guys are doing currently. And we got crowds, but then it had its time and we went standalone. And I think that was amazing for that time. We got sold out finals still. There were some of the amazing years of the WBBL, but I feel like now's the time to bring it back. I don't see it going backwards. And you guys have had the luck. Like you guys have played in front of massive crowds at the Oval, Lords, your home ground for the um, the, that's the a London flex. spirit like that is massive like I would love to be able to play on the SCG or wherever it might be um, and I think it's great yeah it's a sixes ground but like Sydney smash <laughs> <laughs> I love that but There's it's that an grab. accident but you're showing up every other competition in the world due to it is that fair yeah definitely I think um, the big bash needs to do something now like it's um if you're an overseas player um, that's not Australian, so you don't have to play in that league, you're probably going to go IPL 100 or WPL, sorry, 100, and maybe the Big Bash has slipped to third, which a couple of years ago was unheard of. It was the number one uh, competition that everybody wanted to play in. So, yeah, there's a few things I think... If you go back to double headers, the time between the games is so crucial because you don't want the, the kids in yeah, the crowd getting restless. Well, it's so true because England have done it a few times in the past as well. Did double headers and we did county double headers and things in the past. And we would kick off at like eleven, and then the men wouldn't play till like four p.m. Well, or five p.m. And that's too long in between. Whereas in the hundred. Is it literally it's like half an hour? Yeah. It's literally yeah, yeah, half an hour. We played at 3.30 and the yeah. men play at 6.30 or 7. Yeah. There's literally no time and they do all the warming up on the kind of outground and in the nets and things. And literally the second our game finishes, boom, they're on the pitch. Coaches are setting up the stumps. Toss is done. Um, so if you're a family they're watching you know you go and get another drink and get burger and chips get or whatever oh, salad <laughs> <laughs> and by the time you're back to your chair the game's about to begin and that is just brilliant for for fans so I think that's something and the other thing that I've thought loads about is the Big Bash cannot be played um, WBBL cannot be played at grounds like Blacktown ever again oh, yeah. like it has yeah. to be it has to be <laughs> it has to be um, North Sydney Oval or obviously amazing like Sydney Showground or the SCG like same in I'm sure there's um, grounds in all the states that you know can't be there anymore. It's got to be at. It's got to be on good wickets. It's got to be at good grounds. Get the fans involved. Get high-scoring games. Make it exciting again, um, and bring that love back to the old WBBL. Yeah, I well, I was a part of the WBBL in the early days when it was the double headers, and I remember playing at grounds like the MCG, SCG, and uh, I played a game on New Year's Day at the MCG, and the game happened to go into a super over. So by the time we were in the super over, there was like thirty thousand people in the crowd, and it was the most amount of 
people I've played in front of and it was very noisy but yeah it was just an unbelievable atmosphere and I think coinciding the two teams also creates synergy with them as well it doesn't it I don't know at the moment it's sort of with the big bash feels like it's two separate clubs like the women's sixes the men's sixes it, it'd just be really nice or the women's thunder the men's thunder <laughs> but yeah it just feels like with the hundred it's just one club and I think it's just a no-brainer to sort of leverage the audience for the men's and the women's sort of at the same time. So I'd, I'd really like to see the, the big bash go. I also think we're, we've got to move away from neutral venues. Like you guys have yes. a home ground like Lords, Trent Bridge. You're playing before the men. Like you've got a fan base that is coming to every game, whereas if the Thunder play the Hurricanes in Perth, no one's coming to watch. Like it's common sense. That I find that so bizarre. Yeah, when I got it here, I was anywhere. like, obviously, I was training with the Sixers for a bit, and I was like, oh, you guys are going to Melbourne to play like the Hurricanes. I was like, what? Like, yeah, that really threw <laughs> yeah. me. They call them festival weekends, and that was great at the start. And we got maybe a few fans, but they were coming in after for the the Melbourne Derby or whatever it might have been in Ballarat. But I think now, like, you can't have teams expected to travel to Perth or Perth to travel to Sydney to not play a team from Sydney. And then there's travelling restrictions or whatever it might be in terms of these travelling. I feel like you guys have absolutely nailed it in terms of your fan base knows exactly where to go and where they can watch every game as well as, yeah, they've got a consistent ground that feels like home where they can watch their team and I, I think that's why partly the 100 is so successful and if it was luck or not it doesn't matter because it's bloody worked yeah I think it's marketed very well as well yeah um, and that's probably helped massively um, you know sometimes I've it, it surprises me sort of how much money they're throwing at the marketing side of things um, and that's probably where our domestic structure needs to go as well it, it feels very much like all the marketing is towards the 100. So last year we'd have played the 100 uh, sort of August time, wouldn't we? Right through August. And then we'd go back to our regions and finish the Rachel Hayhoe Flint Trophy. And you'd have been playing in front of 15,000 people at Lords one week and maybe 200 people the next. 200? But, but the, the difference is... <laughs> The, the difference is that it, it's just not marketed. Our domestic game isn't marketed um, sort of at regional level, whereas they're throwing so much cash at it in the 100, um, and that's why you can can generate the crowds that they're, they're getting. Elite. I guess it's the same with us as well, WBBL, WNCL. There's a, a little bit, bit of a yeah. gap there, but at times you can see why the reasoning is it goes to different parts. But now onto the fun stuff. We've spent some time in yeah, Sydney. Nice. Uh, run us Sydney through. Girls. Yeah, you're Love's pretty much learning now. new skills. <laughs> 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 but how have you been spending your time in Sydney? Give us a quick overview. How long have you actually been in Sydney for? I've been here since the start of October. Okay. Yeah, I was ending since October. Here when it got warm and it was cold back home. Yes. Basically. <laughs> got out straight away. Strategic. As soon as the cold arrived, woofed. You should be used to the cold though. You haven't been tanning here, have you? Oh, Let's be honest. Here we go. <laughs> that light sort of Let's turn it into an abusive session, shall we? <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're actually going to change the title of this episode to the roast of. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what have you guys been up to in in, uh, in Sydney? Oh, big question. Um, lots of cricket, obviously. Um, the priority. So, obviously, with you guys, I was lucky enough to be training with the Sixers during the Big Bash, which was awesome as well. Um, my mum and dad came over for Christmas, which oh, was okay. fantastic. <laughs> the luggage story? Yeah. Oh, I don't know if the <laughs> listeners want to hear, but basically my parents were here for two weeks and they had no luggage. It didn't arrive. Um, 
But, you know, they just proved how you can survive on little because, you know, we went to Cotton On, we got the essentials. Yeah, and now they've just found a new way of living. <laughs> no, so just, um, yeah, been enjoying life as a, a local local Sydney girl, I suppose. I um, that. Visiting loads of coffee shops. I have a list that I enrolled to. Luffy in to come to all these different coffee shops with me. Done the traditional touristy things. We're actually going away tomorrow night down the south coast Love to that. Kangaroo Valley near there, I think. Just, you know, see a bit of country so in New South Wales. Yeah, so, go yeah. go country. Take the Yukubra, get the boots on. Oh, yeah, get the... I can give you a I have actually yeah, got well, a hat I'll bring now. the Yukubra. Oh, yeah, Luffy, oh. please tell about your hat. This is... <laughs> How did the hat start? You wore it at the Mexican, didn't you? I borrowed, borrowed. Um, Lauren Smith's hat. And I said, just, can I try it on? Because I think it would look yeah. good on me. <laughs> And then we were in the city the other day and we walked by a hat shop and I was like, oh, I just want to go in here. And they just thought that I was taking the mic that I was trying on these hats. And I was like, no, like I genuinely want to buy one. And then I was like, oh, yeah, you go live once, girl. don't you? So yeah, true was he now. She's got the hat. Well, and then we went to Ed Sheeran the other night and I said, put your hat on. She's like, oh, no, no, no. I was like, come on, put your hat on. So she wore a hat. <laughs> yes, girl. And I looked like awesome. the most Aussie girl there. And I'm, yeah, obviously not. So yeah. So, yeah. speak a peep. I don't know if this will go anywhere, but um, Gordo, tell us about your bat. Rumour has it that you stole it out of Pez's bat. <laughs> True or false? Um, no, false. She saw me batting and was like, we just <laughs> the spitting image of each other batting, like the high front elbow. Yeah. Um, so obviously it made sense for us to have the same bat. Yeah, that's fair. I get that. I think we'll wrap it up there, gals. Thanks so much for joining us. She's in the game, episode four, 200 superstars. Can't <laughs> wait to get over there and compete with you when we both play in the 100 one day. Yeah, it'll be interesting. you got to say um, it to manifest it. be interesting it, you know to what see I mean? where we end up this year as well. The yeah. draft. Oh, my the goodness. Draft. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, sorry. Can we, okay, quickly before we end, can we run through each of your situations for the draft? Yep. It's the same kind of situation, really. Okay. We're in the draft. Um, oh, so you might not be playing for the yeah. Phoenix. Yeah. Wow. And I could be on my third team in three years. Oh, you know what they say about We'll see how it goes. Yeah. Well, it's exciting. Mm. Yeah, it's a bit nerve-wracking. Like, I'd... Love to stay at the Phoenix. Obviously, have had like a, an amazing two years there. But I guess that's where franchise cricket is going. And I think as female cricketers, we we are more loyal and we love that connection we have with the the team we play for. But that's where franchise cricket's going. And I think it took me a while to accept that this was my fate. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think there's a lot of girls that have opted out the draft because they they want to stay where they they know and they're comfortable and they're happy. Oh, so you there. can opt in or out. Yeah. Yeah. So it's and only then they the, just choose the contract. Yeah. So it's only the top eight players that get picked up in the draft. So we might not get picked up in the draft. And then it goes to like an open market. Um, but obviously that the money keeps going down and yeah. down and down. So kind of makes sense to go in the, the draft and chance your arm, see if you can get picked up. But yeah, it's just an, another dynamic. I think the Big Bash could go there in a few years' time as well. Um, who knows? Can we get rid of the power surge? <laughs> I hate I bowling the I power surge. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It adds a new dynamic, to be yeah. fair. It's quite exciting. Yeah, when bowling to Grace Harris, it just really scares the <laughs> shit. Pardon? <laughs> see, we'll get you on the board. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, Thank you. Yeah, I reckon that's a, a good chat. Um, yeah, all the best. You guys are heading home. And how many, what are you guys still counting down? Yeah, a couple, a couple of, weeks. of weeks. Yeah, my flight's booked. So yeah. yeah, last few weeks of the, what do we say, the 
Brits. Does that count yeah. as Scottish? The Brits, not the Pommies. So we say the, the yeah, Maitland. You made that. Yeah. The women of the United Kingdom. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much to the women of the United Kingdom. Thank you to our and safe travels lovely. home. <laughs> yeah, no, it's been awesome to, to have you guys in amongst the group, and you've fitted in so well. So we're definitely going to miss you guys um, when you head off back home. But yeah, all the best for the upcoming season over there, and hopefully we get to cross paths again soon. No, I'll see you next year. Yeah, oh, see you next wow. year. Come back yeah. over. See what happens. Hopefully. Thanks so much, guys. See you yeah. in the Big Bash. Would love if that. If we're going to yeah. come to the 100, you guys are going to yeah, manifest. Yeah, we can start each other on it now. <laughs> yeah, because you're going to be like, on the We're going to No, thanks so much. Thanks, guys. Guys. <laughs>